Okay. Okay, tonight's uh, monthly, uh, the month of August, this is our um, continuation from July. Last month we spoke on divine portals. We'll talk briefly about what they are. Um, we more so focus on divine portals, though we know that there are both um, bad ones and good ones, demonic as well as uh, divine. And so this is a continuation, which is part two, because we were just beginning to discuss and talk about how to access a portal, divine portal. So we're gonna pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your grace, your goodness. We thank you for your covering. We thank you for every angelic being that is in our midst not only here at the meeting, but those who are on Zoom. We thank you that you lead and guide uh, this teaching this evening. We thank you, Lord God, that your presence um, continues to grow as we minister unto you. And as uh, you draw us closer into your anointing and into your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for revelation knowledge. We thank you for open hearts to receive everything that you would have us to receive. We thank you, Lord God, for the people that the vessels that you have placed here to receive in person and those that they're going to receive online, that this same anointing will be um, in their midst, within them and upon them. And upon this teaching for uh, a thousand generations, in Jesus's mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. Can you see the screen? Just give me a wave if you can. You can see the screen. I'm going to begin here with a PowerPoint for those on Zoom. Tabernacle prayer. What I have learned over the years in accessing God's presence and the throne room is from a teaching called Tabernacle Prayer. So we will talk about the tabernacle and how you can use the tabernacle as a means to enter into God's presence. Tabernacle prayer is a pattern of prayer as revealed um, to Dr. David Cho, Benny Hinn, and Juanita Bynum. So each three of them had separate encounters and visitations from the Lord and he revealed this pattern of prayer. It uses the ask, seek, and knock pattern or method of entering God's presence. Now, this is not about the Lord's prayer and how the Lord, uh, the disciples ask him, how should they pray? This is not that same thing. Um, so you have to make sure you don't uh, confuse the two or mix the two. 
So Luke 11 verse nine says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Very common uh, scripture. So we'll talk about accessing what I call the third dimension of prayer. So I think, I believe there's three dimensions of prayer. And the dimension is a, a realm. It's an unseen area that's in the um, invisible world. Prayer is a portal. It is a way to access the unseen or to access these different dimensions and realms is through prayer, speaking. We are speaking spirits. Last month, we talked about the portals. And so this is accessing them. This was last month was more of an introduction of what a portal is. Have you ever seen a portal? Do you know what types of portals there are? And so if you want to go back and review that teaching, it is uh, available on podcasts and on the website. If you'd like to uh, receive that, let me know. So I'm going to start off by describing or defining what a taber what tabernacle means, what that word means. Tabernacle means to dwell. God did not dwell in the hearts of humans until after Christ's death and resurrection. He would actually dwell in a physical place, in a natural place. His presence would be there whatever amount that he thought that they could handle. He would dwell in a certain place during the time of the Old Testament. So after Solomon built the temple, he would dwell in the Holy of Holies, the most inner room of the temple where only the priests could enter his presence once a year. This is in Hebrews 9, 7. But for the time being, he dwelt in the tabernacle at that time. He did not dwell in humans. So we have to embrace him and understand what the secret of prayer is about. And what it is, is inviting God into our presence. And when we invite him into our presence and we can enter into his presence. Okay. You evoke God to meet you in this, what we call the secret place. So we are God's temple now. We're the temple, we're the tabernacle, we're the sanctuary. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20 says we are priests. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of God needs a habitation. It needs a spiritual habitation where he can dwell. Jesus is the habitation and we are his body. God's glory is our covering. So in order to have this habitation, we have to realize our three-part being, our Father, the, Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are involved in our being able to fully um, spiritually embrace God. And remember, as we're, we're spiritual beings. That's the real part of us. That's the eternal part of us. First Corinthians, um, the one I just read, it says, you know, you are, your members, your body is that temple. 
So this body is a temple because that's where this our spirit man is. And, and God is spirit and we worship him and we communicate with him only through our spirits. We can't understand anything he really has to say through the natural mind until it is revealed from the spiritual to the natural. So we there we must glorify God in our bodies. Second Corinthians six sixteen says, "And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Your body is not an idol." Romans twelve one says, "I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living." and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 through 14 says, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, and symbols and instruments of music and praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. God dwelt in the holiest of holies, located in the temple of the Israelites. This was the smallest room in the temple. Now we know that God no longer dwells in temples made of stone or wood. So where does God dwell now? Where is his temple on earth? He still has temples on earth. It's in us. We are his temple. As we just uh, uh, read in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. To whom you are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit. That's Ephesians 2.22. But Christ as a son over his own house, his own body, which is the body of Christ, whose house we are, Hebrews 3.6. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 2 and 5. So in this current dispensation that we live now, this church age, we have a better covenant built on better promises. Hebrews 8 and 6. God no longer dwells in houses made of wood and stone. He dwells in us, in each of us. We are his temple. Even Jesus told God, the Father, that he was giving to us the same glory that he had. In John 17, 22, he said, and the glory which I gave, which you gave me, have I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. So that's like the ultimate. The ultimate is to become one in God, to become one in, in, in Jesus. So if you look at the temple and you have your diagram, you kind of follow along with the temple, when you first go in, you see it's not necessarily the outer court. I know those online won't have a, a handout. But on the outer court, before you enter the outer court, is the gate. And the gate is on the outside of the temple, as you notice. But you, but you got to go through it. 
And there's gonna be three, when you enter each of those rooms, there's gonna be three entryways. You got the gate, you have the uh, door, and then you're gonna have the veil, okay? God does things in threes and sevens, and whatever other number he likes, but we know he does like the threes. So you have the outer court, the inner court, and the holy place. The outer court is also called the courtyard. It represents our body, the outer part of us. Okay, so when, when God works on us, he works from the inside out. But as we approach God, we go from the outside in. Okay, first dimension of the glory or realm of prayer is the asking. Remember, we go back to ask, seek, knock. So the first rim is asking. And so we ask to enter in through that door on purpose. Uh, we're deliberate. We actually are going to approach God. And we know that we are. So we're entering into basically what we call prayer. The first thing we approach is the gate. Gate represents salvation, reconciliation, because the gate, as Jesus says, gates, he, in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So this is salvation. We don't realize that we have to get saved every day. <laughs> we really do. You know, you don't make it a religious act per se, but you make it a deliberate decision to walk with the Lord and be his, die daily, giving up your will for his will. If you don't do it daily, then you're gonna have problems being successful. And then also before, uh, as we enter the gates, we enter the gate as in Psalm 100 verse four with thanksgiving for he is good. We have to know that, thank you, Lord, for you are so good. I recognize your goodness, your mercy toward me. Hallelujah. We meet Jesus as God, as our Lord and our Savior. He saved us from total destruction <laughs> the day before or that day, <laughs> whatever it was. He continues to save us. At the gate is where you have total death and dedication of our life to Jesus Christ. Outside that court, before we get in the courtyard, we're at the gate. And at that gate, we're making that decision that I'm dying and I'm dedicated to you and you are my savior, okay? So then you're gonna enter the courtyard, what, with praise. Praise gets you through the gate on the other side. Psalm 118, 19, David cries out, Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. The gate is on the outside of the outer court, but we're on our way in to the courtyard. Okay? It's still, it's still not as if you were like at a house right now or a mansion. That courtyard is very inviting. It's open. It's really, it's large. 
And most of the folks that are in the courtyard are just, it's, it's just people out there in the courtyard trying to get into that next level, into that next rim. You can't get in there, you can't enter, you can't get in there without praising him for who he is, for his greatness. Psalm 100 verse four. Okay. Now we're in the courtyard. What's in the courtyard? If you look at your diagram, you have the brazen altar. The altar is where offerings are offered to God. It's where the animals were sacrificed. Before we could enter God's presence or that next level, we gotta, we gotta erect or build an altar. We build an altar in our hearts. Now the Israelites, Old Testament, they had a brazen altar made of brass, right? Where they took the, the animal, the lamb, and, and altered him. I mean, you know, offered him as a sacrifice and he was burnt. Well, now spiritually, we are the altar. Our spirits are the altar. Our, our whole life, <laughs> who we are, is our altar. So we offer up our, our hearts to God on the altar every day. Wherever your altar is, your prayer chair, your prayer room, your prayer closet, in your car, whatever your altar is, you're going to encounter. That's your place of encounter. This is where you begin to actually encounter God. You're not in his presence yet. You, you are evoking him. You're asking him, right? You're asking him. You're, you're telling him, you know, uh, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, Lord. This is a place of vision. The altar is a place of impartation. Divine deposits can occur in the altar. He accesses you. You access him. There's transformation on the altar. So the, the brazen altar is called sacrifice. So you're giving up something. But in exchange, God is doing something too. Exodus 29, 39, this is in the Old Testament. God told Moses that one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb in the evening. They did that for every, every day. That was a continual thing that they had to do. Woo, in Hebrews 9, 22 in the New Testament. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven. Got to realize these are things that are in heaven. Like right now had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. But he's showing that he, everything has to be holy. If you go back and read Leviticus and Exodus, I think this one would be um, 29, chapter 29. We reference it a couple other times when we talk about other parts in the tabernacle. The tabernacle study is really, 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 really huge. So we're just kind of touching the surface and hitting key points so that we understand how to progress into God's presence or into that portal. Um, here's a place I, I shared this last at the teaching about portals. I had a portal. I have, I have a portal in my bedroom. So my portal 
where I see the opening, where he has shown me the opening, is in my bedroom. That portal could be actually over my whole apartment area. Who knows how huge it really is? He's only going to show you what he knows that you could understand and receive and be open to understand what he's trying to show you or, or tell you. And I saw it as an opening that was alive. alive. It was a regular circle or, or a figure on the outside of the circle. It wasn't perfect, but it was. It seemed like it was round. It had shape and it had ziggy zag like, but the ziggy zag, I'm saying ziggy zag because it was electrical currents that were going around on the outside on the whole outer border was just, and I'm just really trying to make sense of what I was looking at. And then I wanted to, I wanted to see, okay, I'm thinking it's a form. That is a it, it's, it's something, it's a spirit. <laughs> and it comes fall down, it really wasn't that. But that's what I was thinking that it was. Let me see what this is. And um, it didn't bring any fear. I wasn't afraid or any of that. Uh, but you know, when you're, when, you, when you're half between sleep and awake, you're in a spiritual place where you're just comfortable. So that's what I remember being comfortable. But I did say, because I know to ask, what are you, what do you want? And I want some dialogue. If I don't get any dialogue and they're, it's quiet and the state remains quiet, and that makes you uncomfortable, the quietness, of course. And we're gonna find that out as we progress into his presence because that's the holiness of God. I did, I did say, I knew to say, if you're not of God, then you've got to go, okay? It didn't go, didn't obey that, those words. So it was just there. And as days went past and he would bring it back to my remembrance, I'm waiting, because God will do that. He'll draw you and he'll just give you a little bit here and a little bit there, give you more reality here or revelation or you talk to somebody and you'll get confirmation or what have you. Or he's drawing you to go into study. That's how he does me. He wants me to study that thing because there's something there that I need to learn and know about and then share with others as well. So um, back to the heavenly tabernacle, you know, I can recall being caught up into the heavens a few times. There was one time early on in my walk, I really, really, really think that I probably was in the outer courts of something up there because it was nothing there. It was just blah. But what I could see uh, was in this, these, uh, this molded image in, these, in this building was these shapes of people, uh, forms of people or figures. And they were there again, this iridescent electrical stuff was flowing through them. <laughs> Just like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. It's cool. But that was all I recall. That was that was back from from my body, back from that place, back into my body. <laughs> but there was a time that I was really in worship, caught up in worship, and the, and the Lord took me up, and it was like He had me on a string. And I always told Him I wanted to be your puppet on a string, and that was more so, you know, ministry wise. Whatever you needed me to do, I'm willing to do it. I'll speak what you say, speak it. I'll say what you say, say it. I'll go where you say go etc etc but this was more like he had me up and i felt like that he, he was twirling me around i was dancing in his presence like on a string and i i knew that where i was was this 
place <laughs> in, in his presence where he dwells, where he lives. And I, I, I just knew that much. So the temple, everything that we have on earth is a replication of what really is in heaven. And he gives you a taste of it to understand it. So it's real. He's real. It's real. <laughs> you taking me up there and had little kids tell me this place is real. <laughs> you better believe it, lady. This place is real. So I know it's real. So anyway, let's move on. Let's get back on topic. And the next thing we're going to talk about from the gate, we're talking about that brazen altar. At the brazen altar is where we actually are redeemed. Again, that's um, Exodus 29, 39 is kind of the Old Testament version of the sacrifice. The altar, again, is the place of death where we crucify our flesh and there is redemption. We have to climb up on that altar and allow the fire of God to burn us to death, to burn us, burn the death of self out of us. There's no more you, it's me. Ask God to burn everything out of you that is not pleasing to him. The fire must consume us. Every day you got to get cleaned up. Every day you got to let that fire hit you. Keep the fire burning in, in your heart and in your spirit. That's what keeps you consumed in him. It keeps you hungry for the things of God and wanting to know more of him and more of his presence and more to please him. I mean, there's nothing like the presence of God. And it's really because we are his, we are, we are him. We, when we are with him and in his presence, we're the closest to him that we can be. My, 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 it's just undescribable, but your spirit bears witness with it. <laughs> my spirit will jump, I leap. My spirit leaps when I'm bearing witness with something. Remember at the, um, the workshop, I was having some leaping going on because it was just good stuff that was happening. And then your spirit bear, that's how it bears witness because it's life. Those words become life and, and it's life to your heart. The fire consumes us and consumes everything that's not like God. The blood of Jesus, now we're on the altar. <laughs> Like the lamb is on the altar, the brazen altar. We're on the altar spiritually. There's forgiveness, Ephesians 1, 17. Cleansing, 1 John 1, verse 7. And justification, Romans 5, 9. From our past, present, and future sins, all covered. Now, you know that's a mighty God. Wow. The level of God's presence, the level of God's glory in your life, it's always directly proportionate to the level of brokenness. The altar is where we're broken. The altar is where we're shown things that we are not happy with about ourselves. We feel guilty about them. We feel icky about them. We want God to take it away, get it out of us. But sometimes those, those things take time. It's a process. Hosting God's presence is costly. There's a price to pay. Every part of you has to surrender. The more shattered you are, the more usable you become and the more glory you'll be able to carry. 
Now, how do we die? How do we die on that altar? Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. Psalm chapter 63, 1 through 8. There has to be, there must be a longing for his presence. You've got to want it. You've got to want his presence. Now, if you're saved, if you're really saved, you're going to want it. The Amplified reads, Psalm 63, 1 through 8. Oh, God, you are my God. With deepest longing, I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have gazed upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So will I bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul, my life, my very self is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises to you with joyful lips. Verse six. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate and thoughtfully focus on you in the night watches. You have fed my help in the shadow of your wings, where I am always protected. I will sing for joy. My soul, my life, my very self clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And then in Psalm 42, one and two, I long to drink of you, O God, to drink deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. The more you get, the more you want. <laughs> the more you become satisfied. And then the next day, you need more. It's like that quenching and that satisfaction only lasts a short period of time. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. And then verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So after the fire and the burning, all the chaff, all that chaff, you got to have water, got to have cleansing, you got to have refreshing to wash away everything that needs to be washed away. And then that's when you come to the laver. If you look at your, your uh, diagram, the laver, the big basin also made of gold. This is made of gold, whereas the altar was brass. Brass represents flesh. The laver represents the word of the living God, water. We talk about the water and the streams and the river of life flowing from the throne of God, where God washes us clean with his word. This is called sanctification and consecration. It's an ongoing process. You don't do it one time. No, you don't do it one time. You do it as often as needed. Exodus 29, four says, present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Exodus 30, verse 20, they must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord. And when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. 
Psalm 51, 2. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin. So we are washed by the blood of the lamb. We are washed by the blood of the lamb. The word of God, we encounter the world. So we must read the word daily to clean, to stay clean. So the word washes us clean. The word of God, which is what, what is the word? Who is the word? The word is Jesus. So the brass laver is made of mirrors. It's not brass though, it's gold, the gold laver. It's made of mirrors, which reveals who you are. We see who we are in Christ Jesus as we look at the word. It's a mirror unto us. It reflects unto us who we are. We bear witness with the word. We see what he has done for us. The word begins to affect our lives. We begin to change. We begin to grow. We begin to mature. We want more. The more you have, the more you want. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all with unveiled face continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. The word of God becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Then prayer becomes a living thing. God's voice begins to transform us, prepares us as vessels of honor. Then we say, death to the flesh. Get pollution and stinky thinking off of you and out of you. <laughs> Hebrews 10 verse 21 says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, we are God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. And then John 4, 14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 7, 38. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water then truth comes and whose truth jesus we're being transformed into jesus hallelujah my will your will becomes god's will right amen amen we're gonna move on to intercourt inner court. The inner court is also called the holy place. The holy place, the inner court. It represents, okay, we're going to another level. We were at the flesh. Now we're going to the soul. It represents our mind, will, and emotions. The soul. The second dimension of God's glory. The second realm of prayer. And at the soulish realm, it's also called the seeking realm. 
Remember, we were asking in the outer court, please, 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 help us, God, help us, God. Clean me up, clean me up, force me clean, save me. Over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and then from there, you're going to go to the next realm, which is seeking. You really, truly, truly are seeking him because you really, really have decided you want your life to change. I really, really have decided I want to be cleaned up and changed. I am a new person. And you can't get into the inner court without going through the door. And Jesus is the doorway. He's a doorway into God's presence. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said unto me, unto him, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The first thing we see when we get into the um, inner court is the candlestick. The candlestick, seven arms to it, made of solid gold. They say it's uh, 75 pounds, all pure gold. It represents Holy Spirit, illumination from the Holy Spirit, revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Seven spirits of God, spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and spirit of the fear of the Lord. Those things that the Holy Spirit can impart, we can receive in our hearts. They're spiritual. Leviticus 24, verse 2 through 3 says, command the children of Israel to bring to you clear oil from beaten olives for the light of the golden lamp stand to make a lamp burn continually. Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. <laughs> Second Samuel 22, 29. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. And in 2 Chronicles 13, 11. Every morning and every evening, they offer the burnt offerings and the fragrant incense to the Lord. And the showbread is set on the table, the clean table of pure gold. And the golden lamp stand with its lamps is ready to light every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord, our God. And then the Revelations 4, 5. Revelations 4, 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and perils of thunder in front of the throne. Seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Revelations chapter 1, verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. Revelation and illumination because of the word, the oil anointing of the Holy Spirit who brings the revelation. God talks to you one-on-one, -on -one, heart to heart at this level. He's really wanting to speak to you. You can hear his voice if you listen, if you hearken and listen unto him. And then after the candlestick, there's the table of showbread. This represents the logos, logos word of God. And the 12 tribes of Israel, because there's 12, 
loaves, and then the 12 apostles. So in Exodus chapter 25 in the Old Testament, verse 30, it says, and you shall set the showbread, the bread of the presence, on the table before me always. Matthew 4 and 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was our living bread. John 6, 51. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. It is not like the manna that our fathers ate, and they eventually died. The one who eats this bread believes in me, accepts me as savior, and will live forever. Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. My soul is satisfied. I eat the word, and the word comes alive. Feast on the bread of life. Sprinkle with frankincense. The fragrance of Christ comes upon you. So we have entered his presence now. We are in the presence of the Lord, where our worship becomes his presence. So now he's coming. You know, we were going, now he's coming into our presence. And then you have the table of incense. This represents the intercession or prayers. We begin to worship him in spirit and in truth and in our heavenly language. Our prayers are like a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. I'm going to read Exodus 30, verse 1, and then skip down 6 through 10. And this is King James Version. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. Verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps, and even he shall burn incense upon it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, no burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. See, God is particular, can't mess up. Even the incense had particular ingredients and certain amounts in it when he made it. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in, a, once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Ye shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations, and it is most holy unto the Lord. So that's the Old Testament. <laughs> and it's talking about these, this, this incense. And, you know, um, the Lord had given me the scent of the smell of the aroma of frankincense. And I smelt it a few times in my house. And it was just lovely. It was awesome. And then several weeks later, I smelt bread baking. Yeah, bread baking in my bedroom where my, my altar is. That's where I pray. That's where God reveals himself to me. That's where I have revelations. 
and knowledge given unto me. That's where I dream. That's where I see visions. That's where I, you know, have more of the angelic activity is in my, in my bedroom. But the angels are kind of throughout my house or certain places where they are, they're at. But so I had smelled that bread. And then this is just recently, like a week or so ago, because I just noticed that the, the, the smell kind of lifted. And this smell was different. It didn't smell like the baked bread. It didn't smell like the um, frankincense. It smelled more like, um, I couldn't, I can't, it's hard to describe, but it smelled more like a, maybe if myrrh had a real, not musky, musty, but something very heavy weighted type scent to it. And it was like, oh, what is this smell? <laughs> and I'm trying to figure it out. And, and it just kept getting stronger. And it was just lingering. And it lingered and it lingered and it lingered for days. And wherever I went, there were certain places in the house, it was stronger. And even when I went in my car, I smelt it. I went to visit my daughter's house. I went by her house and I sat there and I was smelling it was so heavy. It's like, what? And I, I just, I just don't know what, what it really was, you know, except I can just say it's the fragrance of God. It was fragrant. It was God, God's presence. God wanted me to have, to have that in, encounter or that experience. So you don't underestimate anything that he's trying to say to you or, or, or do. And I know he does nothing without a reason. So I'm still pursuing, like, what the heck was that? Why'd you do it? What's going on? <laughs> I want to know. In Hebrews uh, 5, verse 7, it says, In the days of his earthly life, Jesus offered up both specific petitions and urgent supplications for that which he needed with fervent crying and tears to the one who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission toward God. And then you have Revelations 5 and 8. Each of the 24 elders had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Revelation 8, 4. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the smoke. That's how you know, smelled smoke and fire in my bedroom too. Oh my goodness. Uh, Revelation 8, 4. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Wow. And in Psalm 141, verse two, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Psalm 28, two. Hear the voice of my supplication as I cry to you for your help. For I cry to you for help as I lift up my hands toward your innermost sanctuary, the holy of holies. And then Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. And so here at the table of incense, he is exalted. Intercession, prayers. He continually intercedes on our, we have two intercessors, Jesus and Holy Spirit. There's something about praying. Yes. There's something about interceding. There's something about releasing what God once said is crucial <laughs> to this world, to this earth rim, to us, to our life. It's important. I'm going to find out more about it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, before we continue to the next level, which is the holy of holies or the most holy place where you encounter him at a level that should be one-on-one. -on -one. It should be you become one in him. I have something to show you real quick. I have a video I'm going to show. And you all may be more hearing it than seeing it. But I'll stop share of this screen so I can play it. It's not very long. How are you all doing on uh, Zoom? Good? Okay, we're going to... I was supposed to go to stop share, and now I still... There we go. We'll go here. Sheila, you know about this because... You and Philip, I shared it already. In believing God is faithful to his word, you'll have rest in knowing everything is going to be all right. Call to place your order or order online. On Tuesday of this week, Tuesday morning, to share Mother Victor was walking through here and got right along here to make sure I'm telling it right. Got right on here. And you smell this aroma that smelled like uh, a bakery. Real, real sweet. Is that the right word? Now let me help you understand before I get into this. You guys might be Go back and read. I've always loved revivals. I've been a revivalist and love the awakenings. Every great awakening always has a sign attached to it. A particular sign that represents that awakening. Now, if you don't know that, you can look it up and you can study it and find out that that is true. And it is not a repeat of something that's happened somewhere else. It doesn't mean that it does not reproduce itself somewhere else, but the sign itself is not given, except for uh, that awakening. And then Victor said he, he felt like that it was up around the ark somewhere. And he tried to go up there and he couldn't go. It's like a wall or a shield was there or something. So he came down and he called me. Now about six months ago, Victor and I just for some reason, I've forgotten what it was, looked in the ark. Now, I've looked in the ark so many times. It's been there about 18 years or something like that. I don't even know how many years it's been there. It's been there a long time. 
And there's always been three replicas, little baby replicas. And I've told you that about 20 something people had seen it, maybe more than that in the church over the years. Pat Smith built the art and Pat Smith, Smith uh, with me helped put, put what was in it in it. And there was a, a little platter, not much bigger than this, a little platter with a, a plastic loaves of bread on it, representing the manor, representing the manor. Then there's a Ten Commandments. It's not much bigger than the cedar, there's a little Ten Commandments. Out of the bookstore, one of those little stone ones over there, I used to sell them, representing the Ten Commandments. Then there was a stick, a, a, a little sapling, about 18 inches, about the size of my little finger, about, about that long, just about that long. And uh, that pad had stuck some little balloons on. And they just were there. I could hold all of them in just my hands, you know, just really almost in one, just, just a little, they were lost up there in that art, just a replica. And there are at this moment and have been for six, eight months, five cameras that through, because there's not a place, not a place that's not covered by cameras for security, of course, not just for the art, but for everything. So we can see anything that happens in the building. But about five of them catch that arc. And uh, so anyway, uh, Victor calls me. Sorry, I paused up. And he says to me something similar to, uh, Pastor, do you have somebody who changes the manor out in the arc weekly? Yeah, I told him to go look in the ark. He, he, he came to me and I said, Victor, go look in the ark. And then he calls me. And uh, I said, no, it's plastic. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, do you have a basket in here? No, no basket. Little baby like a saucer with little baby loaves of bread on it. Uh, well, there's manor in here, there's bread in here, and uh, it's hot and it's fresh. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And I said, I thought to myself, has he lost his mind, in, in all honesty. And I said, what he says, and on the rod, is a Hebrew written on the rod? Of course not. It's a little sapling. <laughs> it's too little to write anything on. Right, right. It's just a little sapling. And uh, he said, well, there's Hebrew on it. I think you better come. <laughs> so I came. And what I'm about to show you uh, was what was in the ark. And the Lord has talked to me a good bit since then, of course. He had to. First of all, uh, I was in another land. I thought, dear God, what is this? And uh, 
Our platter is not in there. Our little saucer is not there. Our little stick is not in there. The Ten Commandments are there. Uh, and then the Lord He told me to show it on television, national television today. And that I was going to be stunned at what he was going to do. Now, if you are a revivalist and know anything about awakenings, I call it Donna. If you are, everybody wanted to come. If you are revivalist, you understand things like this since the 1700s or so have happened. But this has never been seen or happened. So guys, if y'all will bring it down for me and set it down here. He said there's an anointing for healing deposited on the rod. They've had it for 18 years. That's in the ark. In our church. Use it sparingly and wisely. Fake stuff in it. Because to their determinant, the immature would begin to fixate on the rod instead of Jesus if it's used too often. And the spirit of grace, who is Jesus, will tell you when to use it and at what point and what to do with it. This first Sunday, which is now, I'm to bless the people with it. And then the Lord will do his thing. Okay, we're going to show them the whole thing. This is a rod, Aaron's rod. That was in there. Now let me tell you some things about it. On it, we've just got some clarification this morning from Israel, uh, from uh, an Israeli. What would be the word I'd use? Uh, theologian. We wanted to ask because we were not totally correct about what's cut on it. So I want to correct that. Do you see the gold ball? Come in, come in close to it, please. Okay. The gold ball that is hammered gold. Remember in, in uh, Exodus, it said to take sheets of gold and hammer it. Do you remember? Go back and read your Bible. This is hammered gold. It is not painted. These are the 12 tribes of Israel called hit around it. Do you see them? Do you see the dark wood? compared to the other wood. You see it? Can you tell the difference? This is where the priest would hold it, like this. That is blood stains. You cannot go into 
the Holy of Holies without having given a sacrifice of blood. There's some over here too on the front, but it's far more on the back. It has Hebrew letters on it. Ancient Hebrew letters, can you see them? Okay. We thought, as we looked them up, fast light, we thought it meant Toby, Redeemer, Cometh, and it kind of does. But we sent to Israel pictures and a request to a Hebrew scholar got the report back this morning just before church. What it actually says, these letters, can you see the letters? Y'all see them? Okay. It actually says Aaron. Aaron. Aaron's rod, Aaron. Now I'm not saying this is Aaron's rod. I don't know. I know it says Aaron on it. See it? Modern Hebrew, it means shining one, promise of Yahweh, and protector. Ancient Hebrew, acrostic, in other words, taking the letters and coming down like this with them, you know, coming down like this, letter per letter, it means Adonaiah. He comes for you. Did you hear me? We got this just before church. Did everybody hear me? On the end, it has a gold tip done the same way. Can y'all see it? There are eight blossoms and seven buds. I believe that's correct. I can't be correct. This was not in there. I told you it was a little saucer with, with a, a plastic little loaves of bread. If it was in there, it's been there since Tuesday. Can you see it? 
I don't know why, except he promised me in this church a great awakening. He told me on August the 1st that it had begun and to expect signs and wonders. He also said signs is what bring people in. And it's a sign for this last great awakening, grand awakening. Now you can stretch your brain any way you want to stretch it. Mine's already been there. We've checked everything there is to check from every angle there is to come at it. I don't know what to say. Why don't you stand? you in the name of the Lord I bless you morning noon, and night I bless you may your blind eyes be open may your spirit man receive may you be awake to the things of God. May you be open to the things of God. May you receive what God has for you. May bodies be healed in Jesus' name. May you have great expectation for what God is about to do. Expect to see blind eyes open. Expect to see bodies get up out of wheelchairs. Expect to see tremendous healing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Drink in his presence. Go to Shabaha. 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 Go to Shabaha.
Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Trying to get this situated here. Okay, we're going to resume presentation and talk about the holy place. The holy of holies or most holy place. The veil represents our spirit man or the third dimension. Third dimension of God's glory. The third realm of prayer or the knocking realm. This is the third realm. Ask, seek, knock. Also called the receiving ram, where secrets are revealed. In uh, Exodus 26, 33, it says, and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom, to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Now in the Holy of Holies or the most holy place, let's make sure I have the right, okay, yep, the Holy of Holy. We have the veil, which is how we enter into to God's presence. Then we have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant has two parts. It has it's the Ark or the box that holds the Ten Commandments, the Aaron's rod that budded, and the manna. This is God's law. This is where it was held inside the box. And on the top is a mercy seat where the blood is sprinkled. So the wooden box held the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, the gold pot of manna, which represents God's eternal provision, and Aaron's rod that had budded was God's approval of Aaron as high priest. The Levites, which is, they have a pre, the priestly function, carry the ark with them during the Hebrews' wanderings in the wilderness. Following the conquest of Canaan, the promised land, the ark resided at Shiloh, but from time to time, it was carried into battle by the Israelites, taken to Jerusalem by King David. It was eventually placed in the temple of King Solomon, the first temple that was built. This was the final fate of the ark is unknown. We're not for sure where it is. Many believe it still exists. The mercy seat on top of the the Ark of the Covenant, is made of pure gold. This is where God would dwell. He said in Exodus 25, 22, there I will meet with you and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are upon the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak intimately with you of all which I will give you in commandment to the Israelites. So therefore today, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through this curtain or veil that is God's or, or Jesus's body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. We're saying this, the Lord is repeating the scripture again in Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 19. We are washed. The blood is sprinkled. We're sprinkled by the blood and cleansed of all of our guilt, having our bodies washed with pure water. So in this realm, you are in the glory. If you haven't seen it before, you're actually in it. And we've taught uh, several sessions about the glory of God that it actually is something you see. Whereas with the anointing, it, it's not. But the glory, you actually see God's manifested presence. All you can do when you get in the glory, <laughs> your flesh just yields. You remain still, you're quiet. You can't, you can't really even speak. A lot of times all you can do is cry. It's like the Holy Spirit takes over. It is true intimacy with God. It's communion. What does communion mean? It's to join two together. 
For God is holy. In John 4, 24, it says God is a spirit. So they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He says, I am holy. So you have to be holy. Oneness begins. Fellowship begins. Intimacy begins. Words become inadequate in the holy place. You don't say anything. It's mostly moaning and groaning and, oh, what happens to us in that place? We are actually glorified. There's glorification. You have to seek the face of God to have the glory on your life. There will be spiritual illumination. Um, you will uh, have a revelation of who God is. You'll see that he is light. He is light everywhere. His eminence is everything about him is light. You feel light. <laughs> you feel like you're not even in your, your body. You want to seek him for this higher level, this dimension, this higher level of dimension that you're knocking on the door to get to or into. Remember, we ask and then we seek and we're looking and then we knock. And what does he do? He lets you in. God said, seek me and you will find me. Knock and the door will open unto you. Ask and it will be given unto you. Come into the secret place and close the door. Like in Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. It doesn't mean to visit from time to time. It means to dwell. When I was here smelling that aroma, it was constant. It was like, okay, so I'm here, but that's where you want me to be because it's constant. It's always there. It's eternal. And so we can be in that place. He's showing that we, that we can be in that place. Seeking involves all of us. We must seek him with our spirit, soul, and body. Revelation 5 15, five it says, after this, I looked and I saw in heaven the temple. That is the tabernacle of the covenant law. And it was opened. Now this is John. And so Jesus is still revealing things to him. So he says, I saw in heaven, the temple. That is the tabernacle of the covenant law. And in Psalm eleven four. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord sits on his throne in heaven. He sees what people do. His eyes watch. He keeps his eye on them. His gaze examines people. Hebrews 12, 22. You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Let us be thankful and so worship God, acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Have you seen the fire? <laughs> I've seen the consuming fire. Yeah, I saw that ball of fire, I don't know what it was. <laughs> when I saw it, I said, okay, God. <laughs> I said, and uh, you probably, I know he's laughing at me, he's gonna laugh again. I said, if this is the rapture, then I am ready. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I know, am I right by the rapture says in the twinkling of an eye, <laughs> and I would be in his presence because I've had that happen to me. But I because <laughs> I am who I am and I would be who I am. That's exactly what I said. And then I I just let go. <laughs> and then I was in this room sitting in this with all these kids running around all around me, calling my name. <laughs> and these huge angels stationed in places, you know. It's like, okay, I'm I'm here in heaven somewhere. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former order of things has passed away. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians 3.1. Hallelujah. So the mercy seat is the meeting place. It's the meeting place. It's where we meet God. It's where we encounter him. We encounter him in the altar, on the altar. I think on the altar with the encounter, our flesh is fighting. Like Jacob fought, you know, with the angel <laughs> on that altar. <laughs> we get up on the pastor. Uh, Marshall used to say he'd get up on the altar. And when God would come down with the knife, he'd jump back off. <laughs> He's so circumcised and he'd jump back off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. I'll never forget that. He was so funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now. Now we're going to talk. We're going to really enter into God's presence. We're going to enter into His presence. Hallelujah! We're going to we're going to practice what we just learned and talked about. Let's say practice what you preach. We're going to walk the walk. Not only talk the talk, but we're going to walk the walk. Hallelujah! We're going to enter into God's presence. And so, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Hallelujah. We begin in the outer court in prayer. We're going to uh, be on the outside of the gate. So let's, let's just visualize that and we close our eyes and participate. Hallelujah. So we're, we're seeing the gate. When saying, Lord, we lift our hands. When saying, God, you are our Father. You are our Daddy God. And we worship you, Lord. We acknowledge you as our Father and as our Savior. We thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for sending Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross for us. 
for our sins. Forgive us of all sins, knowingly and unknowingly. Wash us clean, wash us clean. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that has been sprinkled as a sacrifice for our sins. You died for us, Jesus, so we thank you. We are forever grateful. We are forever grateful. We enter into your presence with thanksgiving. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for waking us up today. You think, we thank you that we are able to breathe. We're able to walk. We're able to think. We're in our right minds. We thank you for family. We thank you for provision. We thank you for our church. We thank you for all things that pertain to godliness. We thank you, Lord, all things that pertain to holiness and righteousness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, the grace to be able to, to uh, just approach your throne with grace. We thank you for grace, Lord. Thank you. And we, we now submit our lives on the altar. And we say, we belong to you. And say, we say, whatever you say do, we're going to do. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for receiving us. Jesus has paid the price. And now we give ourselves unto you, Lord God. We thank you for washing us clean as we enter into the outer court. We're washing ourselves with the blood, the word of the uh, the word, the living word, the water. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for washing us clean, making us white as snow. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for drawing us unto you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your truth of your word. We thank you that your truth, your word is life, is life unto our spirits. We thank you that your word breaks off everything that is nasty and dirty and not like you. We thank you that you make us holy and acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for the word, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Now we're going to approach the inner court. You know, in prayer, this prayer, when you pray, you have repentance, confession, supplication, adoration, thanksgiving. You enter the courts with praise. We're praising for all he's done. So thanksgiving and praise kind of goes hand in hand there in that outer court. Now we're ready to enter into the holy place. Hallelujah. 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 <clears throat> Hallelujah. In 2 Chronicles 6.41, it says, And now arise, O Lord God, and enter your resting place along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you. And in inner court, in a court now, we see the candlestick, see the table of showbread, and the table of incense. 
and we see light. We feel Holy Spirit's presence. <laughs> he dwells in us. He dwells in us. Hallelujah. So he not only dwells in us, he, is up, he comes up on us. He is our helper. He is our guide. He is our teacher. He opens up the word unto us. We sit in his presence and he begins to speak to us because we hear his voice now. We hear his voice and we sit quietly. So we did all of that asking and asking and asking in the outer court. Now it's time to seek, to seek his face, to seek him, to love on him, to want more of him, to worship him. The word says we worship him in spirit and in truth. And this is where the prayer language comes in, your language, your communication unto God. As he leads you, you go into prayer and intercession. Glory to your name, Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We worship you, Lord. Oh, receive our worship, Lord. We adore you. We worship you. We love you, Lord. Fill us, fill us, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your anointing. Your glory, glory, glory. Your glory, Lord. We're seeking your presence. We're seeking your presence. We feel you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More of you and less of us. We die to ourselves. We don't think about the, the food that we got to cook when we get home. We're not thinking about any of that. We're not thinking about work. We're not thinking about children. Just you. You're the only thing that matters now. Oh, you're the only thing that matters. Touch us. Touch us, Lord, deep within our hearts. He says, love on, love on me. I'm in your innermost being. Touch me inside you, inside your spirit, inside your heart. He says, touch me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're seeking and then you knock, you knock. You're knocking, you're knocking. <laughs> and he is the only one that can bring you in. Bring you into that oneness and connect with you in your spirit, spirit to spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to you, Jesus. Oh, change us, Lord God, to what you would have us to be, Lord. Empower us, Lord. Empower us with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. New tongues, Lord. New tongues, new tongues. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Use us to intercede, Lord God, for those who need to be prayed for, Lord. We intercede. Your agenda, your needs, your will be done. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy, 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 holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, the Baha, Hadebokabaha. Boka Baha. Tay Boka Baha. Nina Mahale Boka Baha. Oh, We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord, in the beauty of your holiness, Lord. We worship you. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto him. Break us, Lord God. Break us, break us, break us. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Glory 
So see, entering into his presence is, is easy <laughs> if you just yield, you yield to him. Oh, just yielding, yielding to him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Yes, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We honor you. We honor you. We worship you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 H